Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. He's on the call. The Eastern Conference semis, Miami with the Knicks. Of course, Miami out to that one zip. Best of seven advantage in the East. TNT Game 2 coming up Tuesday night at MSG. Calls Brooklyn Nets games for the Yes Network. And uh, we also note that he is Noah's father. It is Ian Eagle on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Hello, Noah's dad. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. I'm ready, JMV. Let, let's uh, make the shift. I can go to a deserted island, drink uh, some kind of concoction with an umbrella in it, and call it a career. Noah can take over. I'm, I'm going to tell you, that. he is. You have to be incredibly proud at such a young age what he has accomplished and where he is going with what you're doing right now. It has been amazing and been amazing quick for him. Yeah, it's been so cool, really cool for our family and just even for our relationship. Look, father-son, that's one aspect. And now to be colleague-colleague, to talk shop, to have the shared experiences now that we have that he's traveled around the NBA for all these years, it's it's been just an awesome experience. I appreciate it, man. Did he grow up, I mean, a huge sports fan as you were you were doing that and calling games too? He did. Yeah, he was really into it young. I think probably by 13, he had a sense that he may want to try this. I just noticed he was very observant when I was doing my prep. Any kind of media guide that I got in the mail, he would comb through, he would study it, then he'd watch me when I would do my boards in preparation, which to me is not the most exciting part, even though it's the most important part. He took an interest in that, and then if he would accompany me to games, just had very steely focus on what I was doing, how I would do the opening on camera, how I would turn and look at my partner and and connect on a human level and trying to create a symbiotic broadcast and paid a lot of attention to it. So I got a sense of it, but you just never know. It's funny, when my wife and I drove him up to Syracuse, we dropped him off his freshman year, and she turned to me like three minutes after we, we left. We get on the highway, and she said, uh, what if he's not good at this? What then? I was like, well, I don't, it, we'll deal with that at another time. But he turned out to be pretty Damn, good at it. That is that is awesome. It's Ian Eagle via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You uh, – take much stock into what's going on in the NFL draft while the NBA is going on and you're obviously calling the Eastern Conference semifinals with the Heat and the Knicks. You paying too much attention? It's so funny because I can catalog it in my brain. The draft always happens when I'm knee deep in NBA stuff, which means I'm obviously locked in, immersed in what I'm doing. First round, you're bouncing around from series to series. You're traveling every other day. Sometimes you're taking red eyes, you're going cross-country the other way, yet you know that these are the young men that are going to be a part of potentially the next 
10 years of your broadcast on the NFL. So there's a part of you that is absolutely aware of what's happening, but you're not in it like you would normally be in it if I didn't have all this other stuff going on. The the way I I view it, uh, JMV, is I get to know these guys when it's time to get to know them, meaning when I get assigned a particular team, it's your job to research and find out every detail you possibly can in preparation. So during college football season, yeah, I'm watching stuff on a Saturday. If we're not meeting with teams, if we're not having a production meeting, if I'm in my hotel, I got two hours to kill, I have a game on or late Saturday night watching whatever the primetime game is. But at no point am I watching those games with the idea of, hey, this is, this is really important for me once <laughs> these guys get to the NFL. No, you start from scratch. Yeah, it's it's weird around here, too, because it is a, a similar reboot of sorts that the Pacers went through. And I thought even yeah. in missing the postseason, Ian, you got everybody excited around here because of really one month of play, maybe one half month of December of play where people got excited and thought, all right, well, this product is on the rise. And it's yep. weird considering that you have Chris Ballard going into year number seven and gets a reboot. Normally that only happens if you've had a level of success, which he hasn't. But it seems like this draft has at least in, infused a little bit of juice that certainly was not sure. there prior to the draft for a fan base that Colts-wise incredibly needs it. Yeah, I think what we've learned with the NFL, probably more than any other sport, draft day is a day of optimism. For whatever reason, the way it works in the NFL, tonnage is important. If you hit on a particular draft, if you have four guys that are impact players for your team and are a part of the fabric of what you're doing, that can really carry a franchise. So you can go from worst to first in the NFL. We see it every single year. It's not an outlier storyline. It's a real thing. So I do think there's a lot of positive energy that comes from the draft. Now, some of it is trumped up by organizations that are looking to sell season tickets and trying to remain relevant and are doing their best to fan the flames of the fan base. I get that. But sometimes it's real. And this is one of those years, if you're a Colts fan, it could be one of those turning points where you look back on 2023 and you saw the franchise's fortunes change based on this quarterback. There's a mystery surrounding him, whether or not all of the athleticism is going to translate to the next level. And with the success that we've seen of quarterbacks that weren't necessarily earmarked for superstardom that have gotten to the league and have found their own niche and found their way of doing it, it's something that you can build on. And if you're a Colts fan, I get it. I understand why you would feel this way. And you should feel this way today. The problem, as we know, is the proof is in the pudding. And all of this means very little until you actually see it play out in real time and you see a player develop at the rate in which they need this player to develop. Yeah, no question. Iron Eagle, TNT, and CBS. TNT, of course, game number two of the Eastern Conference semifinals with the Heat and the Knicks with the Heat up a game in that best of seven. Comes at you tomorrow night from Madison Square Garden on TNT. 
Are, are we watching right now one of the better playoffs that we have seen in a while, considering the upsets, considering the injuries and the circumstances, considering the old with the new, the reestablished old, and then the rebirth of the Knicks that you're going to be calling game two coming up tomorrow evening? Are, are we seeing, are we watching one of the better playoffs so far that we have seen in a while? We're definitely seeing something that the NBA had been hoping for for a long time, and that's legitimate parity, where you could go into a series and throw out the seating and just look at the teams and eye test them and say, wait a second, this team is better than that team. I don't care what the regular season record said. So it's a double-edged sword. You don't want to minimize the regular season where it means very little, but you do want a little bit of the entry going into the postseason that a team could pull off an upset, and it's not always going to go according to form. So uh, one crazy stat, JMV, that we've seen this year in the NBA, this is the first time in NBA playoff history that every seed is represented in the second round That's incredible. of the playoffs. Yeah. The one seed, the two seed, the three, you go right through, one through it. It's never happened before. Every seed, that shows you that this league truly is now a little more up for grabs than it's been in past years. With that said, the defending champion still in it, even though they were a lower seed, Golden State. Miami, a, a Herculean performance by Jimmy Butler to knock off a number one seed, played a couple of games without Giannis Adetokounmpo, and then two meltdowns by the Bucks to end that series. The Knicks, a five seed. They beat a four seed. Sacramento was a, a tremendous story this year. They have a lot to build on, but they're out as a three seed. Memphis is out as a two seed with the Lakers coming on and rounding into form at the right time. So I, I just think it's got a little bit of everything. And in the end, this is what the NBA wants. They, they want some buzz about the games. The NBA has mastered the art of buzz surrounding the games, but not necessarily the games themselves. It's usually the drama. It's the back and forth. It's who's in, who's out. Now it's actually been about the games, and that's a really good sign. Now, did they just uh, have good fortune? You kind of luck into that, or was that by design for the NBA? We know that they've hoped for that, but it's just kind of interesting. This year, it really did happen, and, and I mean, it happened across the board in this yeah. first round. Yeah, I think it's probably more good fortune than anything else. I do think the new format with the plan has helped because it did – involved more teams the the Lakers never felt like they were out of it maybe in past years they would have packed it in once LeBron went down if they looked up at the standings and thought all right we, we can't really hang let's uh, let's just plan for next year but because you can land in the top 10 and have a puncher's chance to make the postseason and now take it a step further prior to this year it's still in its infant stages no team had ever emerged out of the play-in and gotten to the second round of the playoffs. Now two have. The Lakers did it, and the Miami Heat have done it. So to me, it's going to even become more important over the next five years, ten years, teams and fan bases that maintain an interest into March, into April. And it also affects now strategy of where you're seated. If you're a one seed, you're a two seed, you know, 
in the grand scheme, I know Memphis talked a big game, but if given the choice, they would have rather avoided the Lakers entirely. And who knows how that would have affected the way they handled their games down the stretch. So I do think it's going to add a nice wrinkle. It already has, but it's going to continue as this evolves. Uh, it does benefit the NBA playoffs. So JMV uh, to me, this was the year that typified everything that they wanted to happen and probably in some ways needed to happen for this sport to remain at the forefront. Completely agree. Cause they have me. I love basketball. They would have you, you love basketball yes. with whatever they're putting out there, but it's the fringe fans now that I think you get back because of just these endless storylines. And, you know, we're just now getting out of round number one into the semifinals. So that seems like a good thing. It's something that could attract even more. It's Ian Eagle of TNT and CBS on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline with us. So taking over for Jim Nance in the final four in the championship game. Um, I'm just curious, how does one even begin to set their feet for that? And I know that's next March, early April, but that has to be absolutely surreal to you still. Oh man, completely, completely. I think it'll hit me next year when I'm in the middle of it. Nothing changes between now and then. I'm still doing the same amount of college basketball games that I've done. I've always done a full slate for CBS once the NFL ends. Nothing changes in terms of showing up for the first weekend of the tournament and even the second weekend of the tournament, which I've now done the last five or six years. But what does change is the responsibility and knowing that it's a big stage, that that final weekend, that a lot of eyeballs are on it and a lot of people are uh, viscerally affected by it. it. It's one of those things that sticks with you. You remember the NCAA championship game for many, many years after it actually takes place. So to be a part of that, recognizing that uh, they're trusting me with that position but I got to be honest with you, JMP, from a play-by-play standpoint, from a basketball standpoint, nothing changes. Right. Uh, I, do, I do the same game that I've done. Uh, I bring the same energy that, that I try to bring to every broadcast. And in some ways, and this is going to be a little counterintuitive, it might be easier <laughs> in some ways in that you get to that final weekend and there is just so much leading up to it. If the games are good, you just do your job. You don't have yeah. to do anything extra. There's nothing more you have to bring to the table other than be on top of it and be passionate, which is never going to be an issue for me. I just look at it over my era of enjoying college basketball. We'll stay here with that. And from, you know, Musburger to Nance to, you know, Dick Enberg back when NBC had the college basketball product to that couple of years where Gary Bender did it in the mid 80s. It just it leaves such a mark in everybody's history. And I'm just assuming everybody is like me. You have those moments on game calls where that's forever going to be the soundtrack of that's where I was when this took place. That has to add an extra special layer for you that have been working all this time to get to this point that is so special to so many, especially those lovers of college basketball. Oh, no doubt. And you nailed it. You nailed the the whole concept behind being a sports fan is twofold. One, uh, a feeling of 
euphoria, things that you can't really feel in other aspects sometimes of life because these things happen in a moment's notice. So the roller coaster ride that you feel following a sporting event, being a fan, uh, being associated, you can't simulate that. And then the second part, which is a really key part to what you just said, cataloging, how you remember things in your life. Sports fans have a knack. It's so funny you know, for anybody, family, dates that come in mind, birthdays, graduation dates. They become fuzzy at some point. But if you say to someone, hey, uh, 1979, bird magic. Oh, yeah, I know exactly yeah. where I was. I, yeah. and, that, and some people can't relate to that. Uh, there are many people that say, how how do you possibly remember that? You know, that's that's easy. That's that's at the forefront of my mind. And you're right. This is one of those events that that makes you remember exactly yeah. where you were, what you were doing, who you were with, what you were feeling. And you're right. That uh, that that's what makes it so special. That's that's the game changer. Well, and those those memories last forever, and, and they're good memories. Now, if your team gets beat, maybe they're not so good memories. If, if Key yeah. Smart misses a shot in 87, maybe that Musburger call doesn't live you know, in greatness around well, here as it might isn't have. That, isn't that uh, ironic, though, Jamby? Because 87, I'm a freshman at Syracuse, <laughs> and I had the exact opposite emotion. <laughs> as you can possibly imagine, it's my first year at Syracuse. This is happening in real time. The idea that Syracuse could win a national championship my freshman year of college, and as you recall exactly what was going on in your life, I recall 100% exactly where I was, what I was doing, what I was feeling, and how the emotions flipped because there was an absolute feeling around campus that Syracuse was winning the title. And if anybody was going to stop it, it was not going to be Keith Smart at that point. And that's yep. who emerged as the hero. It's in, it's insane when you think about it, how much can change and how it affects your whole view of not just that event, but your experience. That year, that changed the experience of me and my, my buddies at Syracuse freshman year based on that one result i look at that as as one syracuse cheerleader with about three minutes to go kind of when the camera turned she kind of gave that you know wow you know i think we got this and then two minutes (laughs) later she's crying that's (laughs) i I remember the exact cheerleader you're talking about yes yeah the uh next minute uh two minutes or so she's crying but uh that's amazing so so did you call any of those games at syracuse when you're a freshman uh, not my freshman year. No, the way things are set up at Syracuse, you you got to bide your time. You got to build up to it. By junior year, I was doing basketball games and then football games senior year, lacrosse games junior and senior year, and then ironically, uh, the same basic setup for my son, uh, who we started with, yeah. Noah. Same thing. Uh, difference was he got there in 2015 and graduated in. 2019 so you can do the math but the same basic tenants were in place with the radio station there and uh it it's obviously worked there have been a lot of really successful and outstanding broadcasters coming out of the program i was thinking when i got out of indiana state i think i worked at a tire shop for four years (laughs) 
<laughs> but you learned a lot. You I did, learned how to yeah. deal with people. You, you learned how to deal with people that were pissed off about their flat tires. You learned a lot of stuff. Man, you're an absolute blast. I love having you on here. Seriously, I, I could have you tell stories all day. Let's do this again very soon if you get some time, Ian. Yeah, you got it, my man. Always great talking to you. Hopefully more Colts games now yeah. on the schedule. I love doing games there. My first NFL game was for CBS was Peyton Manning's first game, 1998, Indianapolis and Miami. Wow. And what an experience that was. You want to talk about We'll do that for another time. I'll, I'll tell you that whole story and uh, how I still think about it to this day. Just oh, all, everything that, that surrounded that game, that production meeting, sitting down with Peyton Manning that first day, uh, still just blows me away. It's it's wild. It's a birth of greatness all the way around. We definitely have to do that when we have more time sometime down the road God. as well. We'll be watching you on TNT coming up tomorrow night. Game two between the Heat and the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. That's tomorrow night on TNT. Ian Eagle of TNT and CBS on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pile Line. It's been an absolute pleasure, Ian. Thank you. All right, bud. Anytime.